Father, I do thank you for really an already blessed time in your presence here tonight, Lord, as we worship. It seems, Lord, that your the people came tonight ready to worship you, and that, Lord, you just met us. And for this, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we pray that you would continue to meet with us now through the instruction of your word, that you would give us ears to hear those things that you would long to say into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 3. You remember our story here in First Samuel, just by way of reminding us, Hannah has prayed and received a son from the Lord. In chapter 1, she has named him Samuel, which means asked of the Lord. His name is literally answer to prayer. And uh, she dedicates him to the service of the Lord and takes him up to the temple in Shiloh, uh, which is some distance from where she lives. But she brings him there and drops him off as a young boy to serve the Lord. She visits him regularly, and he grows up serving in the temple as an assistant to Eli the high priest. Now Eli, although he was serving as high priest, um, Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were evil. And these young sons of his were taking advantage of their position as the sons of the high priest. They were stealing the offerings that were brought unto the Lord. They were actually involved in sexual immorality with the women that were coming to the temple. And Eli has knowingly allowed this. and He's not really disciplined them. He's not stopped this practice. He's honored his sons above the Lord and above his ministry. God has sent warning to Eli in chapter 2. A man of God, we don't know who he was, but a prophet of God, an unnamed prophet has come and warned Eli of the coming judgment upon his family, upon his ministry, kind of calling out exactly what's going on and saying, you've honored your sons above me and my name and the ministry that I've entrusted to you. You should have stopped this. You should have dealt with this. And this word has come, but we have no indication that Eli has responded. We have no sense that Eli has changed anything. He, he spoke to his sons. He said, you know, guys, why are you doing this? You shouldn't do this. But he's not stopped them from doing it. He's not changed anything. It continues. And the, the man, the prophet, says to Eli, this will be a sign of the judgment that will actually be uh, put upon you and your lineage forever, a sign so that you will know this is, in fact, the Lord, as both of your sons will die on the very same day. So this is how we leave chapter 2, and now we begin chapter 3, and the Lord is now going to begin to speak to Samuel for the very first time. He's still just a young young boy there serving, but God is getting ready to raise up. Eli is a corrupt high priest. His, his ministry is in shambles. The nation is in darkness, but God is raising up a voice. God is raising up a young man to become not only a judge, but the first of the prophets and going to really bring in a, a whole new season of spiritual life for the nation. Join me there with in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's take a look at these first ten verses, and we'll get the setting. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. 
And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. So we have this setting. Samuel is serving as a young boy there in the tabernacle. He sleeps there in the tabernacle close to where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Eli has become so old in age that his eyesight is, is failing, but uh, this call of God comes in this early morning time. But we notice in verse 1, it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. It seems that this was a season in the nation where there was something of a divine silence. It didn't mean that the Lord never spoke. We, we just saw in chapter 2 that a man of the Lord did come and speak, but it was rare and there was not much widespread revelation. God was not working in any profound way through the nation and speaking to his people. And I was thinking, you know, there are times even in a Christian's life where it seems that the Lord kind of goes silent. And sometimes it's because the Lord is actually trying to draw us out in prayer. God is actually desiring us to be more earnest and diligent in seeking Him. And so he, he actually begins to kind of withdraw only because He wants you to pursue and He wants to bring you into a deeper fellowship and relationship with Him. Other times the Lord is silent, is it's because He's already spoken. He's already told us what is necessary. We already have the revelation. We don't need to hear again. Sometimes we want to be sure, oh God, speak again. But he's already spoken. He doesn't need to repeat himself. But there are other times, and this is the case here, that God is silent. And it's because he has a people who refuse to listen to his voice. He has grown silent in this nation because their hearts have grown hard and their ears have become dull. And so the voice of God, is, it's not that God doesn't want to speak, it's that he is not able to speak because 
This is a people that are no longer willing to listen. They've backslid. They've gone into a cold spiritual place. The spiritual leadership is corrupt. There is no spiritual guide, and so God's word has become rare. Um, They've rejected his word. They have the law of Moses. They have much instruction from God. They're not following that. So why would God speak additionally when they're not even willing to obey what he has already clearly revealed to them? This is the condition. We find this in other places throughout the scriptures uh, where God actually begins to, to stop speaking because his people won't listen. They're not listening. I have a couple of verses here just to kind of support that idea. Amos chapter 8 and verse 11 Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Amos presents this judgment upon a people who have no longer uh, willing to obey the voice of the Lord. And so God said, look, this is going to be your judgment. I've spoken to you clearly. You've rejected my counsel. You've disobeyed my commands. You're going to come into a season now where you're not going to hear me anymore. You're going to want to hear from me, but I'm not going to be heard. There's going to be a famine of the word of God. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 9. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. This is a people that no longer even want to hear from God. Don't tell us what God has to say about this. Get out of our way. Quit blocking what we want to do. Quit warning us. Quit telling us what we're doing is wrong and sinful. We just want to pursue what we want. If you haven't got something smooth and good to say to us, we don't want to hear it. And so they begin to just reject the counsel of the Lord. They reject the prophets of the Lord. And Paul speaks of this also in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 3, he tells Timothy, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It's so important that we keep our ears sensitive to the Word of God. It is so uh, critical to our spiritual life that we hear from God, that God's Word has a ready access to our heart. And it can be very subtle where we begin to kind of just not want to hear those things anymore. We get ourselves involved in certain kind of lifestyle, certain conduct, and and we kind of know, I just don't want to hear it. Don't tell me that. Don't remind me. 
I don't want to hear anything that's going to cause me to feel bad about what I'm doing. I just kind of want to fudge and just, and, and that begins a, a slide. And, and Paul said, listen, there'll come a time when people just, they won't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. They'll, they'll just heap up teachers that will tell them the things they want to hear. Their ears are tickling for a message that promotes and supports what they would like to hear and what they would like to do. And anything that would come from the Lord that might be contrary or might be challenging or might be convicting, they would rather not hear that. And they, were not, they would rather not hear teachers that would proclaim that. And this is what's going on in the nation of Israel at this time. And God is getting ready to raise up a true prophet. God is getting ready to speak again, forcefully, clearly. But how important it is even for us to remain sensitive to the Word of God, that God would always be able to say what's needful in my heart. It's not always what, what I want to hear. It may even, at some times, the Bible says the Word of God can be like a sword, right? Dividing even the, the intentions of a man's heart. Haven't you had that time when the Word of the Lord has come into your heart? It's come off the page. You've heard it in a sermon, and it's like, Almost physically, there's pain. Ouch, that got me. Well, you don't want to shun that. You don't want to resist that. You want to welcome that because that's for your good. That's for your, that's for your health. That's for your spiritual well-being. It's the Word of God that is the lamp for our feet. It's the Word of God that guides and, and keeps our life on path with Him and in fellowship with Him. But it says there in verse 2, back to our text, it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. This just gives us the setting of when God spoke to Samuel. Eli was, it lets us know that Eli was an elderly man uh, and had lost most of his sight. This is why Samuel runs in to see him because he knows that uh, you know Eli is not going to see him unless he comes right before him and speaks to him. But it also tells us that before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, this is an expression letting us know that the lamp uh, that had was burning with oil there in the tabernacle had not yet gone out, but also indicating that the oil had almost run out, letting us know that this is early dawn. Before the dawn, but just, they're still asleep, but it's really kind of early, early morning before they're normally awake. And this is the time that God chooses to speak. And I thought that interesting because I, I feel like, Lord, what an awkward time to try and get somebody's attention, you know, to wake them up out of sleep. But I can think of even times in my own life when I feel as though the Lord has awoken me in the night. And all of a sudden, my, my heart and mind have a sense of God speaking to my heart or a burden that I need to pray about. And I, I believe that God looks for times when we are quiet that he might be able to speak and commune with us without distraction. And, you know, Jesus said that when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Go into that quiet place. Go into your prayer closet. Now, of course, we can pray anytime, and 
And, and we should. Uh, Paul said, pray without ceasing. You can pray in the shower. You can pray in the car. You can pray at all times. God is always open for our prayers. But I do think there should be a time when we are also quiet with the Lord. Because that's when I have found that the Lord is also able not only to receive my prayer, but to speak to my heart. Those quiet places in prayer. You've heard it called the quiet time, that devotion time. I think it's healthy for a believer to carve some time. Now, the early dawn is a good time. It's before your mind is filled and racing. And uh, I like that time. I like it with a cup of coffee, so my, I'm, I'm able to actually stay awake. But uh, the Lord does meet my heart. Now, that's not everybody's schedule. Some people are really, you know, not morning people. Uh, but you need to find a time when your mind is not already preoccupied, distracted, filled, and meet with the Lord. And this is why God comes to Samuel. He, he's awoken and he has no other distraction but the quietness of the tabernacle. And God is able to speak to him. The Lord calls Samuel, but as we see, it, it, he mistakes it for Eli and runs into him. This happens two or three times. But verse 7 tells us why. It says that now Samuel did not yet know the Lord nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Now, we don't know exactly how old Samuel was at this time. The historian Josephus indicates that he was 12 years old. And, you know, that sounds about, about right. I mean, verse 8, Eli still is considering him a boy. So we know that he was young, young uh, able to hear and get up and run in and check on Eli, able to, to sleep there on his own in the tabernacle. So he wasn't just, you know, a little toddler, but he was certainly not yet a young man. So he's some kind of a young boy, and God had not yet really spoken to him in a prophetic way. He had not heard this kind of voice from God. But it also says that he did not know the Lord. Now, Samuel knew about the Lord. He certainly knew that his life was an answer to prayer. His name was asked of God. He knew that God was the very one who brought him into life through his mother's prayer. He grew up in a praying household. And he grew up and he was growing up there in the temple, servicing all of the needs of ministering to the Lord. So this is a young man that was godly and obedient but not yet in a personal relationship with the Lord. And the Word of God had not yet come to him in a prophetic way. He had not spoken to him yet. His ministry as prophet has not yet been experienced. And it does remind us that, you know, young children, they can grow up in a Christian home knowing a lot about the Lord, and hopefully they do. The scripture says that we should train up our children in the ways, in the training and admonition of the Lord. They should know the Lord. They should know his word. The scripture says, you know, talk about it uh, at dinner table, when you're coming, when you're going, reminding them of the word of God, sowing God's word into the heart of the, these young ones. But ultimately, eventually, each and every person has to come into their own personal relationship with the Lord. And they can't just ride on the coattails of mom and dad's faith. They have to come to their own realization 
of God and, and their own need for Him and their own desire of fellowship for Him and the Holy Spirit beginning to speak into their own heart. I can, I can remember when each one of my kids, as they were growing up, when that kind of began to happen, and it was this exciting moment for them, they, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, Dad, I, God spoke to me this verse or, or this situation, and I felt like the Lord really spoke to me. And it was personal. It wasn't just, you know, they knew about the Lord and they, they, they knew something of His Word, but the Holy Spirit all of a sudden becoming active in their life in this relationship. And we would encourage that as parents for children to ultimately come to know Jesus. It's to be modeled by parents. It's to be taught it's to be prayed for, but ultimately, each heart has to turn to the Lord. Not only children, but I would say those that may uh, consider themselves religious. It's one thing to be religious. It's another thing to have a relationship with God. And you bump into that kind of person probably on a regular basis. Oh, I know God. Oh, I've read the Bible. Oh, I, I pray when I go to bed at night. I pray over my meals. I I have this ritual of religion, but do you know Him? Are you hearing from Him? Is He speaking into your heart? Is His Word fashioning your heart and life? Are you walking in a personal relationship with Him? That's what God is looking for. This is what God is beginning to do now for young Samuel. Now, After, real, after Eli realizes that God is trying to speak to Samuel, he he says, you know, go and next time he says your name, say, Lord, here am I, your servant is listening. And so, verse 10, the Lord comes again. Now this time it says the Lord came and stood. So it, it must have been even an appearance, a, a, an appearance of Jesus quite possibly there in the room with Samuel and called as at other times Samuel Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. You know, we don't get the sense that this is some booming, thundering voice, right? Samuel thinks it's Eli calling him from, a, from another room. So this is not God coming in and shaking the building. This is the still, small voice of the Lord. This is that still, quiet voice looking to speak to Samuel in the dawn of the morning before his day is really going, just in a quiet moment. He's looking to fellowship and begin speaking to this young man. It's personal. It's intimate. He calls him by name. And you get a sense, Samuel, Samuel, he wants to speak. And I believe this is the heart of the Lord. I, I believe that the Lord does want to speak. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to any heart that would listen. Anybody whose heart is toward Him and ears attentive to Him, God will speak to you. God, will, God desires to speak with you. God desires a relationship with you. It's, you know, sometimes we think God is this you know, just too big, too holy, too cosmic too awesome and you know when we come into his presence we're really bothering him you know and I don't want to waste his time and uh, 
But that's not really the heart of God. The heart of God is longing to have fellowship with those that he has created for that very purpose. He has made you and I that we might know him and have relationship with him. And I like this, this, this vision here, this, this appearing with Samuel, because it's not the holy, mighty voice off in the clouds. It's a personal, tender voice in the room, Samuel, Samuel, I, need, I want to speak with you. I want you to hear my, my voice. I, I want to have fellowship with you. Now that you've come of age, I have plans for you. I, I want to use your life in the heart of my nation. And Samuel gives the right response. Speak for your servant hears. And I think this is the heart the Lord is looking for. The heart of a servant that is willing to listen. What is your listening posture? I ask you that question here tonight. What is your heart and ear? You know, Jesus would say, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. God is speaking. The Spirit of God is actively looking to speak into the hearts of men. The question is, do you have ears to hear? What is your listening posture? Do you find time to be quiet so that you can hear? Or are you too busy rambling and, and your life is crazy and spinning out of control and why is God allowing this and I don't And, you know, slow down, stop, be still. Quiet your heart, quiet your mind, allow God to meet with you. And when you're coming to hear from God, um, what are you hoping to hear? Are there some things you're hoping not to hear? Because that will hinder your hearing. I want to hear from God, but there are some things I do not want to hear. And so we won't hear. And so, you know, it becomes that refusal to hear. Are you willing to hear only what you want to hear? Are you only interested in like an ear, the ear tickling that Paul talked about, only if God tells me what I want? Listen, with that kind of listening posture... You can, you can talk yourself into just about anything. seems like God's always telling you just what you want to hear. The Lord told me that I'm supposed to have this job. And the Lord told me I'm supposed to be with this person. Well, what about your spouse? Well, the Lord didn't tell me to, uh, to stay with them. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of crazy things that people think the Lord is telling them because they want it so bad. Certainly God must want it for them, so he must be telling them. Be careful with your listening posture. You need to be as Samuel did. Lord, here am I, your servant, willing to hear. I'm listening, God. Lord, I'm, I'm your servant. You speak to me. You tell me what I need to hear. You tell me what you want to say. That is the right listening posture as a servant desiring to hear his voice. Church, I can say personally that I have come to a place in my own walk and life with the Lord that not only do I want to hear His voice, I need to hear His voice. I have to hear His voice. I, I, I just, I so long for God to speak to my heart out of the Word. I don't want to just read through the text. 
I want God to speak to me. I want to open up a passage and say, Now God, open my heart up today. Speak to me. Bring this to life. Let there be some nugget of truth here for me. Something that is divine. Something that is profound for me. And how often He meets me as my heart and my listening posture is, Here I am, Your servant, speak. But if I'm just busy... Well, i got to get my devotion in. What chapter I'm in? Okay, boom, 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 crank it out. Um, it misses the mark for me. Because I'm not really listening. I'm just kind of religiously reading. Versus that heart that says, Lord, I, I really need to hear from you. And as you, as you do walk with the Lord, you're going to come to, in places during your life where you have to hear from God. And God, I think, will bring you to those places. He will bring you to those places in your life where you kind of run out of options. You run out of your own wisdom, your own ideas. It's time to hear from God. And God wants to speak. God wants us to be attentive. God wants us to listen. God speaks to us, as you know, through many ways. Most, most profoundly, most often, He speaks to us through His Word. He's given us this wonderful book that is inspired of Him. And there is rich truth for all, for all generations. And, you know, just read it. <laughs> I need to hear from God. Are you reading your Bible? Well, no, but I still need to hear from Him. Well, read. The, let So much of what God will say to you will come alive through the Word. Well, how do I know where to read? Listen, just start reading. The Word of God is alive. You can almost read anywhere. Now, there may be some exceptions. If you start in Numbers and read through that whole genealogy list, I, I don't recommend that. But almost everywhere in the Word, if you're listening and you're reading with a heart that wants to hear from God, I'm telling you, God will speak to you. And when that happens, and, and you know this, many of you have experienced that when God brings it off the page to life, in your heart, it is a wonderful kind of moment. Wow, that's, that, that just speaks right into my situation. It becomes a little kind of miracle moment. How, how, who would have known that I would be at this place or on this page? It's just what I needed to hear. Now, I do, I do um, suggest a steady reading of God's Word. Don't just be, well, flip it open. What page today? God, speak to me, you know. I've done that before. It has worked on occasion. But I would prefer a more re regular diet of His Word and just allowing the whole counsel to come. Now, sometimes you're in a crisis. You just need a word and you just open it up and say, God, please, <laughs> be gracious to me. But, you know, a steady reading of His Word. God will speak to you through His Word. Of course, He speaks to you during times of prayer. We so often think, of course, as prayer is us speaking to God, and it is. But there is something that is going on. Even when you're pouring your heart out to the Lord, this is what I have discovered. Even as I'm praying, I feel like the Lord is speaking to my heart, helping me to pray, giving me insight on how to pray. And as I'm praying, all of a sudden there's some wisdom that's kind of being 
you know, transmitted to me via his spirit because I'm there with him. I'm spending time with him. That moment of communion, he impresses things upon my heart. While I'm speaking, he's speaking. And then there are times when I just need to stop speaking and just wait on him and just be in his presence. And those moments in prayer and, of course, the ministry of his Holy Spirit. It is his spirit that brings to to life the word. It is his spirit, I pray, that speaks through a message into your heart. It is his spirit that speaks to you in that still, small voice in your own heart, that little divine prompt where he brings a verse to memory at just the right moment, that word and season. Oh, and it comes to you by the Lord. The Holy Spirit, very active in speaking to his people that are listening, his servants that are saying, Here am I, Lord, your servant. Speak. Speak to me. I'm listening. Pick it up now in verse 11. Let's see what the Lord has to say to Samuel. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And so Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli did, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Wow, that's the first message you get from the Lord, this young boy hearing this harsh word of judgment. God said, I'm going to tell you something, and and when you repeat it, when you speak this, everybody who hears it, their ears are going to tingle. That simply means that it's it's going to be something spectacular. It's going to be something so strong, such a severe message of judgment I'm giving to you. And and I'm going to entrust you to speak it forth. And here's what he says. I have told, concerning Eli, verse 13, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Samuel, I've already spoken to Eli about this. I've already sent a man, a prophet, to speak to him, and he, he already knows this iniquity, yet he has not restrained his sons. He's been warned. He's done nothing. He's not filled his duty as a father in restraining his boys, nor has he done his steward as a high priest. He's corrupted his ministry. He's misrepresented me to the people. 
and I will judge his house forever. It shall not be atoned for. It is too late for Eli. Now, up to this point, Eli had already refused to repent, even when God had already warned him. But there does come a time when those that stiffen their heart against the Word of God, even the corrective word, even the rebuke, even the effort to, to recover their, their conduct, when they just refuse, it becomes a place of kind of no return, too late. As if God gives them over. Look, if you're determined to disregard my command, then there's nothing I can do for you but judge you. There's nothing left. For us, is it possible that we could come to a place where it's too late for us? The New Testament is very clear. The only time that it is too late for us is if we reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sin. If we refuse to receive Christ as our Savior, there is nothing else that can be atoned for us. There is no other atonement available. So it's never too late so long as you are willing to turn to Christ. If you have rejected Christ, you want nothing to do with Christ, well then there is no atonement for you. God's not sending another Savior. God's not coming up with another plan that's more suitable to you. He has sent His Son. There is only one name under heaven and earth by which men can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. We must receive Christ If we reject Christ, there is no atonement for our sin either. Verse 15 tells us that Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Well, I imagine so. He's just a young 12-year-old maybe. We don't know for sure, but just a young boy. And Eli's the high priest, and God has given him this word that's going to make everybody's ears tingle. And this is something that I think we have to recognize, church. The word of the Lord is not always easy or popular. It's the same today, isn't it? God's word is not always uh, the word that we want to share with someone. I think of, you know, I think of the truth about sin and eternity. You know, if you're going to share the gospel... You're going to tell someone about the good news of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to point out the reality that that they're living in sin. And they're destined for judgment. Salvation is being saved from something. Saved from the judgment of sin. Who wants to tell people that they're sinners and that they're headed for hell unless they turn to Christ? That is part of the message. The good news is they can turn to Christ and be rescued and redeemed and God loves them. And does not want them to be judged for their sin. But the, word, the, the message and the word does communicate the truth about sin and eternity. I think of some of just the issues of, in our own culture. What about sexuality? What about marriage? What about abortion? What about these topics that are political lightning rods? What is the word of, does the word of God communicate any truth on these issues? It does. And so, if we're going to be those 
bearers of the word of God, if we're going to be the prophets of the Lord speaking truth into our culture, into our generation, just like Samuel, there won't, it won't always be easy or convenient. Now, I'm not saying we go out there and look for opportunities to, uh, for conflict, look for ways to be obnoxious and rude, but we can't shy away from the truth. If we truly love our generation and we want to see them come to Christ, we have to tell them the truth of God's Word. And Samuel, his first prophetic word is a very powerful word. It is an ear-tingling word of judgment, and Eli draws it out, and Samuel tells it all. He holds nothing back. Verse 18, Samuel says, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. We don't get any sense of of Eli's attitude in this. It is the Lord. He does, commit, he does say, Samuel, you have heard from the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. We don't know if this is uh, Eli's heart of kind of a, a godly surrender or if it's Eli just giving up. Oh, well, yeah, I've heard all that before. Let God do what he needs to do. I've had this warning before. We don't know. We can't read into what, what Eli's heart is, but we do know that and following the story as we move forward, no change is made. Eli continues to allow his sons to serve. They continue to be vile. And so it seems like Eli has just given up. He's just decided that it's too late and he doesn't even want to try. Because true surrender to the Lord's word will always includes a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. He said, Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You know, it's okay to have godly sorrow. It's okay to feel bad about sin. That's, that, that, you know, that's not just the devil trying to beat you down all the time. Now, it can be, that condemnation. But the Holy Spirit has the ministry of conviction in our hearts to awaken our conscience. And, and there is a sorrow. Oh, God, what have I done? How did I get into this? Why did I say that? Oh, this, Lord, I'm all worked up. I'm, I, and, there, and that's a sorrow. There's a regret. You've... You've disobeyed the Lord whom you love and has, and has loved you. And, and you find yourself regretting that, and that or, or, or excuse me, feeling sorrow that leads you to repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. The Bible doesn't say you'll never sin again if you really love God. The Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. We should feel bad when we sin, and we should go to the Lord, and we should confess it, and we should receive forgiveness. That's what it means to repent. That's what it means to, that's leading to salvation, and that kind of sorrow is not to be regretted. Lord, help me if I ever start sinning and don't feel bad. Now, that's trouble. That's, a, that's something to be afraid of, that you can disobey God without any sense of conviction in your heart. 
That's a hardening heart. That's a conscience that's getting seared. No, we want to be sensitive. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to put his finger on something and and awaken my conscience and draw me into repentance and confession. But then once I've done that, I receive his forgiveness. Condemnation is even after I have confessed and repented and been honest in my heart and, and, and received the forgiveness of the Lord, that I still let the guilt and shame of it kind of beat me down. And I know I confessed it. I know I said I was sorry, but I just still feel really guilty. And I just feel like, you know, oh, I'm just such a horrible, miserable person. All that's true. <laughs> but God has forgiven you. Don't live under the condemnation of what God has already cleansed you of. Enjoy the grace. Let that, let that kindness draw you into deeper work relationship with Him. Let the grace of God draw you into even a more uh, sincere loyalty to your walk and devotion with the Lord. Yes, there is a godly sorrow, but that godly sorrow, it leads, it, it produces repentance. It leads to salvation. It's not to be regretted. The sorrow of the world produces death. That's a different kind of sorrow. Sorry I got caught. Sorry that uh, this is happening to me. Sorry that I can't do what I want to do without impunity. It's a different kind of a sorrow. It's not a true godly sorrow. So uh, we don't know exactly what goes on here in Eli's heart, but we will see in chapters coming that uh, God is going to fulfill this word to him. But Samuel, this is his first test as a young boy to preach and to, to speak forth a word of prophecy Finish up here with me, verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from the farthest north to the farthest south, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh, how? By the word of the Lord. God would, this would begin a, a life journey when Samuel would be receiving the word of God spoken. God would reveal himself through the word. He's still doing that. He's still revealing himself through his word. As we study his word, as we read and, and put his word and hide it in our heart, God is revealing himself to us. It says that for Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground. That simply means all his prophetic words came to pass. Everything that he said was of the Lord was of the Lord. And God watched over every word that he gave to Samuel to fulfill it. Samuel was a prophet in, indeed. And by the way, that is the test of a true prophet. A true prophet's words always come to pass. If he misses it, he's not a true prophet. He's not hearing from God. Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground. All his words came to pass, and God revealed himself, continued to reveal himself through his word. And as I said, I think that's the way God is still revealing himself to us today. I want to uh, close tonight 
a little differently than I normally close the service. Normally I would ask you just to pray and I would give an opportunity to um, respond to the Lord with heads bowed, eyes closed. But tonight I I feel like the Lord wants me to close a little differently. I I I just kind of want to pray for those here tonight that need to hear from the Lord. It's kind of the theme in this this chapter, God breaking through and speaking. It's a time when the Word of God was rare. It was a time when there was a scarcity of any kind of revelation, but God breaks through in this young man's heart. And this would become a new series, a new chapter, a new season for Israel where God is going to be speaking through his prophet Samuel. And I was thinking about this tonight, and and just even in my own life, how often I need to hear from the Lord. And even tonight, there are things that I'm really asking the Lord to speak to me about, to give me wisdom, to give me insight. And my sense is probably there are many here tonight as well, that you really need to hear from heaven. You need God to speak to you, and I want to pray for you. And I've kind of put a few uh, thoughts here together, and I don't want to... Uh, pray in different groups here tonight. The first one, of course, I I want to pray for those who need to receive Christ. Um, It may be that the Lord is speaking to you tonight. You're already hearing from the Lord, and He's drawing you to Himself. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And he's asking you to come and receive Christ and forget the forgiveness of Christ and embrace his work for you at the cross. And you may be here tonight, and it's the very first time you've never really invited the Lord. Maybe like like Samuel, the Bible says he did not yet know the Lord. You may know a lot about the Lord, but maybe you've never really had him in your heart, in your life. And that comes through a relationship that begins by receiving Christ as your Savior. Recognizing that you are a sinner and that there is an accountability and a judgment for sin. And that God wants to rescue you from that. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And so you may just need to hear, that, that may be the word you need to hear tonight. You may need to hear that God loves you. He wants to forgive you of all your sin if you will but receive His grace by turning your heart to Jesus. And that's the first group that I want to pray for. Now normally this is done with eyes closed and heads bowed. Tonight, uh, I'm just asking you to be bold. If you're here tonight and you need to hear that word, you need to hear that God has forgiven you and has loved you and sent his son to the cross for you. I want to pray for you. I'm just where you're seated. Keep looking at me. Just raise your hand. Anybody here tonight? God bless you. God bless you. A number of hands here over here as well. God bless you. In the back as well. All right. And you, sir, as well. All right. So that's the first prayer. Anybody else? That's the word you needed to hear. And you need, you need God to speak it to you in your heart profoundly tonight. Anyone else? Part of that prayer. 
I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to ask you to just stand where, you, where you're seated because I want people around you to just put their hands on you and as I lead them in prayer. So if you raised your hand, I've already seen you. Stand up. <laughs> now those of you that are around these that are standing, I would just ask you to extend your hand and put it on a shoulder and let's pray Jesus into these lives. And so, Lord, we come to you tonight and we acknowledge that you want to speak to our hearts. God, you are, you are not silent. Lord, the cross is screaming at us through history that you love us and that you died on the cross that we might know your mercy and your forgiveness. God, for these that have responded tonight, Lord, that you would meet them, that that voice would be so loud and so strong that their ears would tingle tonight to know that you love them and that you sent your Son to the cross to die for their sins. And so those that have stood, if you would just agree in, with your heart in this prayer, you would come and you would say, Lord, I hear you. I hear what you're saying and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to cleanse me of my sin. I'm asking you to wash away the guilt of my own iniquity and my shortcomings. And I believe that you are willing to do it because of Jesus. Because you sent your Son in love for me. And I am hearing that voice tonight that I am forgiven, that I am loved, that I am embraced as a son, as a daughter of God. Lord, we receive that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second group that I'd like to pray for in closing here tonight are those that are that are hearing from the Lord, but not willing to listen. <laughs> it's a little different than the first group. The first group, you know, I think that's a coming to that moment at the cross. Now I'm talking to the Christian, talking to the believer who is, you know, God's been trying to break through. I, I, if I were to say it, I would say God's already broken through. But there's something going on in your heart. Uh, it's your listening posture. You're not willing to surrender what you know God is trying to say to you. And I want to pray for you tonight. If you're in that kind of a you know, tug of war with God, and you're in that kind of unwilling to surrender your will to what you know in your heart He's trying to say. Tonight I want to pray for you if you're willing to listen. If you need to hear from God in, that, in this sense that God, I am hearing, I now need to surrender and listen. I want to pray for you. It's a moment between you and Him. It's a surrendering moment and I'm talking about Christians, believers, you know God, but you are 
you're resisting his word and you need to hear from him tonight that listen what I have for you is good what I have for you is right it's better than what you want to hear from me listen trust obey if that's you here tonight again I would ask you to begin with your hand and then if you would just go ahead and stand I want to pray for those as well. Anybody else? All right. Let me pray. If you would again, those of you around, just reach out in love and and ministry. Let's pray. So, Lord, we, we ask tonight that you would give us ears to hear. God, we know that You love us. We know that Your will for us is good. That the plans that You have for us are not for evil, but for good. To give us a future and a hope. And yet, Lord, we wrestle and and we we don't want to surrender. We're not sure we can trust You. We, We think that our way might be better or there's something that we want and We can't seem to let it go. And so this struggle. And tonight, Lord, for these that have stood, I pray that you would set them free. That this would be the moment tonight that they would say, Lord, here I am. Say what you need to say. I am your servant. I am listening. I surrender it to you. I acknowledge, Lord, that I need to be obedient in this area. And Lord... I want you to be free to speak your truth and your love and your word into my heart, not only tonight, but Lord, all my days. I need to hear from you. I need you to be my Lord and my counselor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last group that I'd like to pray for tonight are those that are that find yourself in some place of deep discouragement, maybe even confusion, uncertainty. There are decisions that are before you. You're not sure what to do. Maybe you're in the midst of a trial and you're wondering, is God ever going to speak again? And I want, to, I want to pray for you that God would speak that word of hope, that word of wisdom, that word of direction. If that describes your heart tonight, you, you, you just really need to hear from God because you're in a place that you don't know what to do. And it may be discouragement. It may be confusion. It may be crossroad that you're at and you just need God's God's voice to break through and I want to just pray that this would be the night that God would speak to you and that God would begin to show himself very strong in directing your steps anybody here tonight that's your group all right go ahead and stand again it's okay to stand twice if you have to <laughs>
And once again, church, let's just gather around. These are brothers and sisters, and let's pray. Lord, we're so desperate for you. Lord, we live in a time when it seems that there is a famine of your word in our generation as well. So many not not interested, so many not listening. But tonight, Lord, we who have stood, we're saying, God, not only am I interested, not only am I listening, God, I need to hear from you. God, speak to these hearts. Lord, give them that word of encouragement, that word of hope. Lord, that word of direction or wisdom or just some sense of knowledge that, God, you are working it out for them. It may not be instant. It may not be complete. But, Lord, let something begin tonight that they will know God is speaking to me and God has not left me. God has not left me without His counsel, without His Word, without His Spirit. He loves me and He is guiding me. And Lord, if it's a time of silence, it may be that You are simply asking us to press in and pray and dig roots a little deeper. Lord, it may be that You are just trying to mature us and so tonight, Lord, we can... We confess that as well. Lord, it may be I just need to be uh, have a, a, more, a better listening ear. But tonight, Lord, we're asking you to speak. And I'm asking you, God, make it clear. Speak it to them tonight. Speak to them tomorrow morning when they open their Bible. Speak to them, Lord, a word that would come through a sermon, through a message. Lord, something that would begin to give them light to their path that they would not take it into their own hands, that they would not try to drive it or steer it or control it or scheme it, but they would simply say, Lord, I'm your servant. Speak to me. I'm listening. I must hear from you. And so, Lord, tonight, may you minister into these hearts that are crying out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, I'm sorry, why don't we all remain standing? We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and close in a song of worship tonight. Praise the Lord for His ministry to us tonight. Amen. I, I, I know there's one more word some of you are waiting to hear from the Lord. It's vanilla frappuccinos. <laughs> One dollar in the coffee shop after the service. But let's worship him tonight. You know, um, this is kind of sweet tonight. I don't know how many more nights we have here in the building. Not that many. But uh, let's enjoy them. Enjoy one another. Enjoy the Lord and his spirit. And uh, let's just love on him a little bit now as we close in worship. And let him love on us. And then we'll love on one another as we exit. I'll dismiss this in prayer after we close now in this song of worship.
Amen. Young man came up to me, felt like the Lord had put this verse on his heart. I actually referenced it in some of my prayer, but you know this verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you have your thoughts towards us are for good. And that, Lord, you are listening to us. And, God, you have asked us to seek and listen to you. So, Lord, meet us tonight. Go with us tonight as we go. Lord, bless your church. Bless your people. May your grace be upon us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.